You guys ready for the word? All right. Well, let's just pray over the word this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you are here in this place. Father, I just pray that every word that comes from my mouth, Lord, that's from me will fall to the ground and come to nothing, Lord, but that your words, your truth will remain and bear fruit in our lives. Lord Jesus, Father, we ask that you be lifted up in our hearts today. Draw us together, united together as a community that belongs to one another. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, in August of 1998, uh, I was in Durant, Oklahoma, and about to start my seventh grade year in school uh, in Durant Middle School. Now, and it's, it's a tiny little town. Southeastern Oklahoma University is actually there. So the town like triples when school starts because um, it's so small. But I was starting seventh grade. And as any 12-year-old going into seventh grade, I was nervous. And I wanted to fit in and wanted to belong. And, and it was different because I was in an intermediate school before that. So it was a new school, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. That's the way they did it. And so I was going to school, and I had all these different classes, and I was trying to connect with people, get to know people, find my place, fit in, right? And about a month of being there, my family decides to move. Like, all right, great, I really got a good foundation built. And so we moved to central Missouri, to Columbia, actually. And so you guys know Columbia, where Mizzou is, right? And so we moved. I'd never been to Missouri in my life. And so we moved to Columbia, Missouri, don't know anybody there, start a new school in my seventh grade year at a, as a 12-year-old. And again, trying to fit in, trying to find a place to kind of belong, um, trying to get to know people. And I'm, I'm doing whatever I can. You know, I'm saying I like things that I don't really like so that I can fit in. You know what I mean? I'm saying, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, you know, but it's awesome. And so doing whatever I can to make friends and fit in. And I ended up finding like the one teenager in my entire neighborhood that was that lived there and he was a terrible influence and so wasn't working out great and then in January my parents decide to move again I'm like alrighty then I'm fine because this place wasn't great so we come we come to Blue Springs Missouri and uh, we make our way here into the Kansas City area and um, it was January 18th and uh, we move in. The 19th, I get my hair cut, and it was one of the worst haircuts I've ever had in my life. Um, so that was wonderful. I had bangs, um, and my hair, it separated at the front. Like, bangs went down to here, and then it went up. And I'm like, what were you thinking? So terrible, terrible experience. And the good thing was, though, I started school the next day. And so... Um, had this horrible haircut, and I was starting school, my seventh grade year, this third school, and it was also January 20th, which was my birthday. So my first day at the school is my birthday, and I have this horrible haircut, and I know that the teacher is going to bring me in front of the class, introduce me as like, hey, Neil's new to the school. Also, it's his birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to Neil while you all get to look at his terrible haircut. What a great way to start in a new school. It was horrible. And so I did the same thing, trying to fit in there. Not a great start. But finally, um, I went to my church's youth group. Uh, and it was on a Wednesday night. 
And I went in not having a lot of success fitting in this year, feeling really terrible. And they split up the boys and the girls, and the boys got together, middle school boys. And, uh, and we start talking. And what do you know? They're kind. They're nice. They're not trying to force me to like something that I don't. Uh, they were welcoming. They all liked video games. What do you know? Middle school boys like video games. Crazy, crazy. We just had so much in common. Um, but it was, a, it was awesome. And I felt like I fit in and like I belonged somewhere. And after a really, really rough year, that did wonders for me. And it was amazing. And that actually catapulted me to really start pursuing God on my own from that youth ministry. And then those guys that I ended up connecting with on that first night ended up becoming friends with for years. And we actually ended up starting a band together and everything because, you know, that was a cool thing to do. And Omega and painted our hair orange and blue. And it was weird. But, um, but it was a good time. But that's something that every single one of us, all of you probably have some sort of story like that in your life, in your teen years, where you come to a place and you're looking to fit in. You're looking to belong. You, you want to be a part of something larger than yourself, and you want to have a genuine connection with people. But not just any connection. You want to, to fit in, like you're supposed to be there. Uh, and we all desire that. Every human being desires this feeling to belong and to be loved and to be known. It's something that God's placed in us because God gives that to us. And we find it in him. And what's so amazing about Jesus is as soon as we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, we are immediately adopted into his family. We are immediately accepted in the beloved. We are immediately known and loved. We are immediately a part of the body of Christ. We function as a member of the body. As soon as we come to know Jesus, we belong. And we are a part of something greater than ourselves. No matter what the enemy might say to you, no matter what you might feel, the truth is that if you know Jesus, you belong. And so that's the title of my message this morning is Belonging. So we are continuing in our series on the body of Christ. And we're asking the question, what is the body of Christ? Uh, why does Paul use this illustration of a human body to represent God's people? And last week we kicked it off talking about why. Because God wants us to be united. He wants us to be one, connected together in genuine, authentic relationship, fully known and fully loved, like, like our church missional objective, to be fully known and fully loved in authentic relationship. Jesus wants us to be united because when we are united and one with him and one with each other, then the world will know that God sent him. Then the world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. There's something about unity that projects the gospel to the world. And so God wants us to be united because he wants us to depend on each other. We talked about that last week. He wants us to depend on one another because it requires humility, affirmation, belief in each other, trust, honesty, invitation, 
all these incredible characteristics that we see in Jesus, God wants that in us. And when we lean into one another in relationship, then we can foster and cultivate the character of Christ within us and in each other. And so God wants us to depend on each other and he wants us to depend on him who is the head, right? Christ is the head of the body. We are lifeless without him. We are colorless. We have no power. We can't do anything without Jesus. And that's why we're desperate for the presence of Jesus in every single thing that we do as a church. Amen? And we want the presence of Jesus in this service. We want the presence of Jesus in the kids' ministry. We want the presence of Jesus with the youth. We want the presence of Jesus in our groups, in our outreaches, in coming up for our Easter community outreach that we're going to do. We want the presence of Jesus there. We are praying and inviting the presence of God in that. Everywhere we are, we want him to go before us because without him we can do nothing. And so we talked about that last week. Well, today I want to talk about this idea of belonging. I think one of the biggest hurdles or obstacles for God's desire and dream for his people to come to pass is a sense of belonging. I think many times in our lives, um, the enemy will lie to us. He lies to us always. But he wants to lie to us, and he wants us to disqualify ourselves from belonging before we even try. He wants us to believe a lie that we don't belong so that we won't and so that we won't pursue relationship. And so he lies to us to get us to disqualify ourselves from community before we even start. And then he lies to us to create cultures of isolation in the body of Christ. And so today we want to talk about that a little bit and how do we avoid that? How do we take responsibility for belonging in the body and create an environment where people are welcomed and don't feel isolated. Um, the truth is, the enemy wants us isolated, doesn't he? He wants us alone because then we're an easy target, right? The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking what? Whom he may devour. He's trying to take us out. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you ever watch the Discovery Channel or National Geographic, you know, and you see the herd, you know, of, of the antelope or whatever it is, and they're going across the plain, it's the straggler, right? The one that's behind that's injured that the predator goes after. There he is, the predator, looking at the injured antelope. You know what I mean? And he's like... He's, it's always an accent. I don't know why. Everyone just likes accents. They're great. I do too. Um, it's more dramatic. Uh, but it's true. The predator goes after the one that's isolated, the one that's alone. There's safety in numbers. So if the enemy can lie to us to get us isolated, then he can come after us. And we don't have that support around us to keep us safe and people that are guarding us and looking out for our interests, our best interests. Amen? All right, so what does the Word of God say about this? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be hanging out today. And I told you last week we're going to come back to this, and so we're going to go through this whole passage on the body today. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 20. So we'll start out. It's a little long, so stick with me. It says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit 
so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And that's important. Just as he wanted them to be. He's already placed them. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Right? It, it wouldn't. It would just be a floating eye. It would be creepy. Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So, what is our responsibility in belonging? Our responsibility in belonging. Number one, individually, there's individual and there's collective. Individually, we cannot allow the lies of the enemy to disqualify us from belonging as a functional part of the body. We cannot allow the lies of the enemy to disqualify us from belonging. What are some of the lies that he tells? Number one, one of the first ones is, if I'm not blank, I don't belong. If I'm not, and then you fill in the blank, because the enemy lies to us differently, every single one of us. Oh, if I'm not married, I don't belong. If I'm not wealthy, I don't belong. If I'm not a Bible scholar, I don't belong. If I have, you know, a Catholic background, I don't belong. If I, whatever it is, if I'm not this, then I don't belong. And, and I'm sure we've all heard it. At some point in our life, the enemy lying to us and trying to isolate us and say, well, if you're not this, then you don't really belong there because they're like this. And this is the, what they value. And so you don't belong unless you're that. But he makes it clear right here, that lie. In verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If just because it says, oh, if I'm not this, that doesn't change anything about it being a functional part of the body of Christ. So that's a lie. Anytime you hear that, if I'm not this, then I don't belong, that's the enemy lying to you and saying, no, I want you to be isolated. And so he's lying and saying, if you're not like this, like this person, or you haven't qualified with this invisible qualifier, then you don't belong to Christ's family. Listen, he's already qualified us through his sacrifice, everything. He's paid every price that could be paid, the highest price. The price tag on our life, if we had a little price tag, kind of hung from our body or something, it's the sinless blood of the Lamb of God. You can't tell me that we're not qualified to be a part of Christ's body. The cross says otherwise. 
And what does the enemy want to do more than anything else? He wants to discount the work of the cross. And so when we hear that lie, all we have to do is hold up our cross like a vampire slayer or something. <laughs> hold it up. The cross says otherwise. He's qualified us. There's nothing we can do to be more qualified in God's eyes. He's already adopted us into his family. He's already made us blameless before him in love. He's made us accepted in the beloved. He's blessed us with every spiritual gift in the heavenly places. He's forgiven of our sins. He's given us all wisdom and prudence. And this is all because of Jesus. It's not because of us. It's because of the grace of God and the mercy of God. We belong because of Jesus. And even if we say we don't, even if we're the ones and we were convinced by the enemy, we believe the lie. We're like, yeah, I don't belong. I do not belong in the body of Christ because I'm not a hand or I'm not this. I'm not like this person. I'm not like this. I don't belong. Even that doesn't disqualify us. It says it right there. If the part should say, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part. So we're still a part of it, even if we are convincing ourselves that we're not. We still are. That's the truth. So those are, that's one of the lies that disqualifies. The other lie is, if I'm not blank, I'm not as valuable. Not as valuable. If I don't have these certain gifts or these abilities or I don't have this personality type, then I'm not as valuable. Uh, I, don't, I can't make as big of an impact in the body. That's a lie, again, of the enemy. Scripture clearly makes it clear that it doesn't matter what the appearance of the part is, that doesn't determine its value. It says in verse 21 of that same passage in chapter 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Christ makes it clear that every part of the body, every person, every function within the body is equally of value and needed. You cannot say, he says literally, you cannot, one part cannot say to the other, I don't need you. You can't, because that's a lie. But the enemy wants to fill our hearts with these types of things. If you're not this way, then you don't belong. If you're not this, then you're not as valuable. And then what that does is, if we believe that, then we self-select and say, oh, yeah, I don't belong. And then we step out of community. And listen, we can't allow that to happen. God says otherwise. The cross says otherwise. Our value, remember the price tag? It's beyond measure. Our value to Jesus. He made that clear. So anytime the enemy comes with these lies, we just point him to Jesus. Point him to the cross. So, that's first responsibility is individually. So we don't want to disqualify ourselves from community and belonging, right? Second part, collectively, we cannot create a culture of isolation. 
we cannot create a culture within the body of Christ of isolation that causes people to feel rejected or abandoned or less than or that they don't belong or that they're not valuable. We can't allow ourselves to create that kind of a culture where we, we, we say some are more valuable than others and, and this person's more valuable than this person. And, and a lot of times it happens in our hearts because our culture is preaching a different message, right? Our culture is all about highlighting a certain type of a person and saying this is the most valuable type of human being, right? Everyone should try to be like them, right? the culture of celebrity, right? So that's something that our world is constantly pushing into us and on us. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we might be adopting it. And so we have to be mindful of the enemy's ploys again so that we don't create a culture of isolation. It says there in scripture in verse 24, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So what are some of the lies that isolate? Number one, visible equals valuable. Visible equals valuable. This is a lie of the enemy that the more visible someone is, and this is what our culture says, right? Popularity, the person that's on the TV, the person that everyone can see, the person who's more visible is more valuable. So you should aim in your life to be as visible as possible, whether it's on social media or wherever you're at, be visible because that's where the value comes, right? Because the three cravings of the world in 1 John 2 are the cravings for physical pleasure, the cravings for all things seen or covetousness, desiring something that we don't have, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Doesn't that sound like the way the world celebrates people? Are they physically pleasing? Do they have a bunch of stuff? And have they accomplished a lot of things that they can take pride in? Right? That's not the kingdom. Visible doesn't equal valuable. Jesus said, or well, God said this, when Samuel was looking for the new king of Israel, he goes to Jesse, right? And he's looking through the sons of Jesse. Who's going to be the new king of Israel? And he goes to the oldest son, right? The, the one who looks like a warrior and a strapping young man. He goes up to him and he's like, this, this guy, he's clearly the one who's going to be the new king. And God's like, no. I'm like, what? Look at him. And God's, hey, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. No, actually, that little wiry young kid who's playing emo worship songs on his harp over here and hanging out with animals, that's the one. <laughs> He's the one that I want to be the king. So that's a lie that we have to be careful because, again, it works its way in. And then that leads to the next lie. Charisma is greater than character. Charisma is greater than character. This, again, is a lie of the enemy. It's the idea of saying, hey, this person's really gifted or really talented. Let's lift them up because they have all these gifts. And then character, the character of a person gets overlooked. You don't hear people celebrating character very much these days, do you? I mean, look at the people that are the most popular in the world today. High character? <laughs> you know? But charisma, oh yeah, they got that. 
They got skills or gifts or talents or whatever. So let's celebrate that. But then the people that kids, teenagers, whatever, are idolizing, as far as character goes, oh my gosh, please no. Do not follow their example. Sure, they have a gift. That's great. Do not be like them. It's unfortunate that we've seen a lot of different great, influential, godly men fall because of things like this. We need to celebrate godly character as a church. Celebrate godly character. Man, when you see the character of Jesus in someone, call that out. Celebrate that. Celebrate integrity, honesty, faithfulness, hard work. Celebrate servanthood, humility. And that's, that's worth celebrating. That's what God celebrates. The Bible says that humility precedes honor. Humility precedes honor. So if we are looking for someone to, to honor, let's look for someone who's humble. Let's look for someone who's a servant. Let's look for someone who's faithful, who has integrity, who loves the Lord and loves people. And let's celebrate them. Give honor where honor is due. Amen? Because this is what can happen. And I'm going to go a little bit off script here. But this is what can happen. When we exalt people, human beings, too highly, we lift them up too much. And I'm talking about godly people, like, like people that we might like celebrate, right? Uh, maybe a great speaker or an author or something um, that maybe we really appreciate, and that's good. But when we exalt someone really high and say, oh, man, that guy, that if I could only be like them, and that is, that's where it's at. They really know God. I mean, they're really close with the Lord. I can tell that's someone that I really want to be. If we do that too much, what we unknowingly do is take ourselves and all the people around us, us ordinary folk, and we push ourselves further from God in our minds. And we lose respect for the people around us and for ourselves, because we create a gap. And we say, man, that guy's just so, he's way up here. Maybe one day I can get there. Or what eventually happens is we say, oh, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be as close to God as that guy, because, man, look at the way he speaks, and look at the way he does this, and I'm never going to get there. And so then what happens? We have to be careful, but what can happen is that we start living vicariously through someone else's spirituality. And we say, oh, I'm, I need to connect with God, so I'm going to read their books, listen to their podcasts, listen to their sermons, because they know God. And then our relationship with God is books and podcasts and sermons instead of communion conversation with the Holy Spirit, diving into the word of God and scripture and letting him speak to us. So that's the thing is that the body of Christ, that's why Jesus is saying all the parts 
They're all equal. They have the same value. We can all know God. We can all hear his voice. We can all have an intimate communion with him. If we focus and we celebrate character over charisma, what that does is every person here can have godly character. We can all aim to be like Jesus in our lives. And if we're all focusing on our hearts and doing that, then our faith and our belief is, I can experience God just like anyone else can. I can know him just like anyone else can. It might not look the same. Of course not. You might be an ear and they might be a mouth or something. You know, whatever. It's not going to look the same. But we can know God. Does that make sense? So these are lies, right? Lies that disqualify ourselves or lies that perpetuate a culture of isolation. So, so then what is the truth? What's the truth of the body? <clears throat> what does God say about the body of Christ. Well, verse 24 says this, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division. Another translation says schism in the body, like it's not functioning quite right, you know, so that there should be none of that in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So what's the truth of the body? Number one, God put it together. He put it together. He put us together. We belong to each other. And that is so powerful. That is so incredible. And that's already happened. That's Jesus did that. It's not like something that we have to work to make happen. We do according to Christ, belong to one another, and we are a part of the same body. Now, we might not be living that out completely, but it's true. We are, and God has put us together. We belong to one another, and God placed each part exactly where he wanted it. He's made you the way he wants you to be. The temperament he's given you, the personality he's given you, the gifts, the talents, the strengths, the weaknesses, Whatever, all of it is there. God designed you. You are an image bearer of God. And he has you where he wants you. Now, we might not know where that is. We might need to discover that. That's okay. We can do that together, just like we do everything else together. But God has you where he wants you. God put it together. Number two, the truth of the body, every part deserves honor. This is the truth of God's body. Every part deserves honor. Each person, each function within the body deserves to be honored. Man, everything, this, this church, the way this church functions, man, there are so many moving pieces, so many people that allow this to happen. What is happening right now would not happen without, a, without all of you. The people running sound back there and Josh Hurlbert having us streaming online and, and our security team. I mean, we know we need security, right? Keeping us safe. The people over in the kids' ministry right now having fun, playing games, teaching the truth of God to kids where they can experience the presence of God and the life of God right now in this moment. Our youth ministry, all the youth leaders who are caring for the teens and helping them foster a heart after Jesus. 
the clean team who cleans this church building, thank God for them, right? The coffee team, the greeters, the, the, the small group leaders, the admin board, the trustees and elders. The trustees, the, the admin board's meeting today, again, and no one knows that, right? But they're doing it. They're helping govern the finances of our church. Like all of these people, this is what allows us to function. Every part deserves honor. Number three, every part deserves care. Equal concern and care for every individual. Every person deserves to be cared for. This is something where I've been really proud. I had a proud dad moment with my kids. It happened a couple of different times. Um, I was praying with the gentleman a couple of weeks ago in the back, and one of my kids comes over as I'm praying, comes over and lays his hand on the gentleman and starts praying for him. I finish praying, and then he starts praying. Starts praying for this man. Never seen him before. Doesn't have any context. But he knows he deserves care. Man, every part deserves care. And then number four, the truth of the body. You are a part of Christ's body. You belong. That's the truth. You are a part of Christ's body. If you follow Jesus, you're a part of the body. Whether you like it or not, you're a part. You are a part. He says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You have a place. You belong. You are a part of Christ's body. So don't let the enemy lie. Don't, that those voices, listen, self-deprecating voices are the most common voice that we're hearing in our hearts and in our heads, right? Things that self-critical, that put us down, we create unreasonable expectations for ourselves that we can never meet, and then we're disappointed when we don't meet them. We shame ourselves, we guilt ourselves. This is the human condition. Okay? We all struggle with it in, in one way or another. But we have a sword. We have a weapon against all of those lies. And it's the word of God. And we have a shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy, every lie that he throws at us. Because we believe what God says, it doesn't penetrate. Amen? So I want to close with this. The enemy's goal is to isolate. He says lies like we don't belong, we have no value, we aren't popular, so we lack impact, we aren't super gifted, so what can we bring? Lies. And then there's truth. You belong. Your value is beyond all measure. You don't have to be well-known to make a huge impact. And God looks at the heart. He's concerned about your character more than he is your charisma. God made you to be you. Don't compare yourself with others. If you're an ear, you're, you're not an eye. Don't try to be one. Be you. Just like when I was my seventh grade self trying to say I liked all the things that I didn't really like because I wanted to fit in. Don't try to be someone you're not, because then the body can't function. 
It needs you to be weak in order for it to function properly. Some of you may have really deep wounds that have come over the years from feelings of rejection and abandonment, struggling to feel like you belong. That those lies, that voice, that self-deprecating lie, that voice that's in your head saying, you don't belong here, you're not valuable enough, what do you have to offer? What impact are you going to make? All of those lies. Listen, there's only one person that can heal those wounds, and it's your Heavenly Father. There's only one voice that can silence those lies, and that's the voice of truth. It's God speaking into your heart and confirming and affirming who you are. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to invite um, our prayer team to come forward. Elders, group leader, if you're a group leader or you're an elder, uh, I invite you to come. You can just stand along Paul's here. Uh, this is what we want to do. We want to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything at all, we want to pray with you. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be related to this. It could be you have a job interview or that, you know, your pet's sick. Whatever it is, we want to stand with you in prayer. But we also want you to feel support. We belong to each other. We need one another. So let's lean into each other. We all need prayer. I need prayer. Everyone needs prayer. And so there's nothing to be ashamed of needing prayer because we all do, every single one of us. So if you need prayer for anything, God's putting something on your heart, I want you to come up and receive prayer during this song. But also this song that we're going to sing is all about who we are. Who you say I am is the name of the song. It's all about belonging in the family of God. So this is my encouragement. As we sing this, just close your eyes, get alone with the Lord, and open your heart. Ask God. Invite God in. There might be deep wounds there. Only God can heal. Invite him in. There might be a voice still telling you right now that you don't belong here. That you're not about, right now, it could be speaking that to you. Invite the voice of truth. Let God speak into your heart as we sing and proclaim this song together. Does that sound good? All right, everyone, can you just stand to your feet? And again, if you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. Let's worship and sing this song together, proclaiming the truth of God. lost but he brought me in his love for me oh his love for me who the sun sets free oh is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I am. 
Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for me not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I'm chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. In my father's house, 
There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes, Jesus, thank you, Father, that we are your children. You've adopted us into this incredible family. Lord, and we belong in your body. So, Father, I just ask that your truth rings true in our hearts, God. God, that we hear the voice of truth. Anytime the enemy comes with his lies to shame us, to isolate us, to push us out, Lord God, I pray that the truth of the cross will rise up in us. God, your blood shed for us. God, that has made us belong in this family and in this body. Jesus, thank you, God, for bringing us in, for knitting us together, for placing us exactly where you want us. Lord, help us to lean into each other, to depend on one another. God, help us to discover um, what it is that you want us to do, how to use the gifts, the image of God in each one of us for your glory and your kingdom to encourage others. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for all you've done and all you're continuing to do as you make us, this church, one with you and one with each other. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, God is good all the time. That is right. Well, next week we're going to continue in our series. I'm looking forward. We're going to be talking about the different parts of the body and how we discover that and how we live into that. It's going to be fun. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>